Hi there and welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jamie. In this episode we're going to be talking about overloading players or overloading anyone really. Mm -hmm. Yeah so in this episode what we're going to focus on is talking about cognitive overload. Now for anybody who wonders what that is that's just the posh way of saying having too much to think about. So Mm. Dumping a lot of information on players or DMs as well, GMs, we will touch into that a little bit as well because if you've listened to our previous episodes you'll know that a lot of a lot of what happens in the games it's not a one way street, it's not the DM dictating to a player, you know, that yeah. it's it's backwards and forwards, it's collaboration and, and so on. So uh, we're gonna focus mainly on, you know, having too much to think about and too much to process rather than anything else and you can believe it or not physically overload players if somebody has got you know handbooks that you don't have and you know you you can get them bringing their handbooks they might have a dm screen you know whatever other things are going on so you can physically overload players as well in a kind of more literal sense there but but that's again we might touch on that a little bit but the main thing is you know giving the players too much to think about yeah I know someone that's got a hobby bag that literally has it packed full of stuff like mm-hmm. it's full of dice that he spent probably over a hundred quid on dice for, for players of his games he'll hand out dice but um gold bags and stuff like that you know and usually I remember a couple of the times he tried to give us it at the end of nights mm-hmm. and stuff and like you look after that and I was like no, I've got so many dice. I don't need it. Like I appreciated the thought, but it was it became a thing. But it became, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here take this take this off of me, so I don't need to carry it. But you need to give me it back later. And I was like, well, I don't want it. Just you keep it, man. Yeah, um, yeah. So literal uh, overload is is real, um, but I don't <laughs> think it's as big of a problem. I think um, speaking of what Jamie's saying there about cognitive overload. Um, it's much easier to do that unknowingly as well. It happens a lot. Yeah. I've done it, you know. Yep, yep, yeah. It's and again, it, that will normally happen, or at least from my experience, that will normally happen with an experienced DM or mm. GM who's running a game for newer players. And again, it, it's not just obviously if you're playing D and D or whatever other yeah. RPG you're playing it happens in all walks of life the more experience you get with whatever the subject then the more basic like the kind of intermediate sort of skill level stuff that you're doing becomes you know whether it's you know something like gardening or whatever and you're going right okay well blueberries like acidic soil or whatever Mm -hmm. and something else doesn't you know that might eventually become basic for you but when you've got somebody who's never gardened before they're looking at you and going what do you mean acidic soil i thought it was brown and you put plants in it (laughs) what's going on so you know it doesn't matter whatever the subject long the short is more experience you gain the easier it is to forget what it was like being completely brand new to something yeah, I mean, it's something like I'm coming from a, outside of this. I do software development, a lot of game development, things like that. And it's very easy. I've been teaching people how to actually learn different programming languages. And even right from the get-go, 
I was like, I couldn't even talk about printing stuff to the console without people's eyes crossing. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so as it's very, especially if you're experienced. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with that in mind, actually, I, one thing I would like to ask, or we would like to ask mm-hmm. anyone listening or watching, uh, we'll start with maybe the players. Have you ever had a time where you felt like, oh my God, that's too much? Whatever that might have been, whether it have been rules, or maybe it was just getting introduced to character creation that's mm-hmm. quite a frequent one yeah, that yeah. comes up um, let us know about that how was that resolved if it was or did you just have to basically be driven to or given exposure therapy to it until you get used to building characters uh, or mm. as a GM have you ever been overwhelmed with your players like mm. overwhelmed sorry with your players uh, I've ha- I have at times um, especially mm. when I was newer to running games I mean it was going back a while now but there's certainly times where I've had influxes of messages from like seven player, um, six players uh, you know, different times and they're sitting going, oh my god and uh, if you have mm-hmm. had something like that how did that get resolved? Is there something you've done differently that changed how you ran games? Mm-hmm. We'd love to just hear it because for us this is just our take on it Yeah. but we want to hear what you actually have to say about it because it just helps refine our opinion mm-hmm. about it as well Yeah, because again, like it's very very easy to fall in the trap of yeah you know kind of nailing your colours to the mass so to speak with an opinion which is uh, you know overloading players it always happens when it's an experienced GM and new players it's you know 90% of the time that's when it happens it might not be the case it could in fact in thinking about it it might in fact be more likely to be when you've got a new DM new GM and new players because everybody's mm. new so they see you know they might see something like um, you know somebody who's streamed their game online and that's their kind of first exposure to it or a source of inspiration and they see you know again like Jordan was saying there are different lore elements or you know whatever and they go right I need to make my games like this so then they kind of overcorrect and put too much in so let, let us know what you think so if you're watching us on YouTube there's comments underneath and if you are listening um, on Spotify or wherever else then you can let us know through different social media channels that we'll have linked in the description and we'll have them flashing up every now and then as well so there's Facebook there there's there's Twitter as well Discord as well um, and other places yeah I think what, what you said there kind of leads quite well into the, this next bit and it's for me what I'm interested in kind of talking about at least at the beginning is overloading like new players that's a good place to start especially I've had quite a bit of experience of, of needing to teach people the rules of D&D or uh, recently we were doing looking at Morkborg which is a kind of apocalyptic death metal style world it's super brutal it's actually dead easy to pick up mm-hmm. but when people are new to it they're like what the hell is a goblobbing spit monster or whatever and like that's one of the traits you can get in it but anyway it seems like it's a lot of like well other than the fact it's just crazy in the head but especially the games like mm-hmm. Pathfinder I know it's mechanically quite difficult um, and also I just got uh, the Warhammer Wrath and Glory which is apparently very very crunchy so and I know it is based on the beginning I went oh crap this looks complicated Um, so I think then maybe if we start with overloading new players then Mm -hmm. have you had have you had experience as a player when you've went oh my god this is too much 
pretty much see the first game that we ever played now is again for anybody who hasn't actually seen episodes and things previous to this myself and Jordan we've been friends for a long time since school um, and however many years ago yeah. this was now our first game of D&D so happened to be with the same group of people so going back to that first game I remember it being like that um, and again that might not be surprising that your first game you felt overwhelmed with everything that's going on because the way the, the way that it worked out is we turned up and you know the character sheets and things were handed out and it kind of went over with and then we started playing from there so there wasn't really a kind of a sort of break in period to kind of mm. understand the rules or you know basics it was all kind of you know learning on the job so to speak um, so I remember just like the character sheet looking at it and going right so and, and the thing that confused me the most was skill checks and saving throws so there was a big 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 huge list of things which then had in brackets strength or wisdom or whatever next to it that had a set of numbers and then there was a different set of numbers where, that were to the side in a different box and you know I, I just remember that being really 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 confusing and going right I'm not quite getting yeah. when I'm supposed to use this box and when I'm supposed to use that box and then the next thing was but how come the numbers over there are totally different from the numbers here um, you know and it just was that was the thing that really seemed to confuse me not like attacking with a weapon and things for whatever reason that made more sense made more to sense, me I, yeah. I managed to deal with that Um but that that's my kind of my overriding memory of it um, and then the only other time that the, the kind of overloading the brain happens is see um, recently in our kind of long campaign that we've been playing um, plot element happened um, which was uh, was it a spell or was it a saving throw well, I suppose that would be a spell anyway so mm-hmm. Jordan's character gets hit by this spell oh that's right which yes. then okay. causes him to have an illusion so he then starts visualising himself as a wizard now my character is a wizard so what happened was at that point we had to then swap characters and character sheets and play each other's character and that was was a mind melder at that point because you're going from a character that you've created that you know the abilities that you've worked it out to all of a sudden having to play somebody else's character now albeit you know I've, I've seen Jordan's character since day one in the game he's still alive still going strong two years later yep. almost we've probably been saying this for multiple episodes because I've got no idea where in the timeline it actually I know it's yep. going to be two years if it's not yep. very soon but anyway I've had this guy for two years yeah whereas everybody else is you know down down the tubes the way they've went So yeah, some of them are killed by me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, I wonder who you've done that to um, so <laughs> so 
although I, I know Jordan's character and I roughly know what its abilities are and things because I've seen it in combat as another player, when you're still handed that sheet and you're having to scan it and you have to go, right, well, how many times can I use that ability? Which is something we don't know. How many, you know, how quickly does it regenerate as well as how many times can we use it? Right, okay, I can only use that when I've also done this beforehand. And, you know, all the intricacies, you don't know. And then when you then factor in that you're also doing that for a character who's level 8, it's then, you know, however many times you need to assess and analyse and understand quickly on the spot, you're then doing that 8 times for each new kind of ability that appears as the characters levelled up. So even though we've been playing for, you know, years at this point, cognitive overload can still happen you know it's funny because I was surprised I I wasn't as overloaded as I thought I was at mm-hmm. times so I was thinking about it and actually I realised quite quick because I played Wizards now mm-hmm. just to give people context that are listening these characters are level 8 or mm-hmm. well at least oh mine's level 9 now because I levelled up but anyway mm-hmm. Jamie's guy was like level 7 and I'm level 8 so it's mm-hmm. not it's not super high but it's high enough where you get all these race traits class traits and all that other stuff Um, now we're all dwarfs so that helps but I'm an outlier in terms of I'm I'm a Duragar so there's all this other stuff that comes with it like magic resistance uh, light um, sensitivity although we've got goggles for that but it was night time anyway so it wasn't that big a deal (laughs) is it not just basically a paper bag that we're putting Uh, over your head I thought it was pretty much someone's underwear I put glass in or something like that from what I remember yeah but I so but with your guys like, well I already know the basics of a dwarf so that's fine I've got that yeah um, and then I just looked at the prepared spells and noticed that one wasn't prepared so I asked the GM can I add can I add one so mm-hmm. it's right he's like yes and I went good and I added slow and it really helped until we killed all the guys at slow quite yeah. quick if I remember right yeah um, but yeah so it, it wasn't as bad but I suppose I mean so Jamie was playing a barbarian. Now, barbarians mm-hmm. are like simpler quote unquote classes, but the problem is a lot of the stuff's baked into like the information of that character, which yeah. is maybe isn't on the roll twenty character sheet. Mm-hmm. Like reckless attack, there yeah. is the rage benefits in there, but reckless isn't in there. What that does the advantage and attacks, but people get advantage on you. Mm-hmm. There was a great weapon master feat I had sent no, so there's all this other stuff that I've I've tried to keep the sheet fairly updated, just purely for my sake. Yeah, but there's all this stuff that even any barbarian you just it's as a given it's just part of the class mm-hmm. so it's not like a wizard where all their stuff might be here and you'd told me which one of your abilities for your mm-hmm. wizard were cool like potent cantrip and things like that yeah, yeah. Um. so so I wasn't as it, it felt a bit easier for to have your guy because it was, it was much more okay I know what I can do as a wizard is mm-hmm. this stuff whereas everything you had to do was like sure you just need to go and attack but Oh, don't don't forget the great weapon master. But when someone runs away, you sent no, so they can't run away. Make sure you're raging, but make sure you hit someone when you're raging, or you'll lose your rage. Yeah. So there's all this stuff that Jamie, poor Jamie, had to pick up. Now, thankfully, Jamie survived with two hit points. So he, he done good. He yeah. done good. So I would have been raging if he died, Jamie. Not really, mm. but um. So it basically the point is yes, it can still happen even with experienced players, and this campaign isn't yeah. the only one that we've played either. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just the higher the levels go, the harder it gets to keep on top of some new characters. Yeah. But um, I, before we end up drifting off 
kind of too far. Can you think of a kind of an example of when it's happened to you again as again maybe as a new player maybe as a more experienced player I think as a new player just to start there I, I never had as rough an intro to d and I mm. mean uh, both of Jamie and I's first game of D&D was that game you were t- talking about where yeah. it was like what the hell is this I found D&D a bit kind of like well I started off in, using Call of Cthulhu and mm. I, although I found character creation super dull in that because mm. it's like it really, it's, it's always points and you're spending points it's just I don't find it as fun um, but I was kind of used to that so yeah. the idea of making characters it made sense I was going okay attributes first the characteristics first mm-hmm. cool I get that and I'm like okay the skills are kind of like the skills in Cthulhu except you just whatever the, if it's a wisdom based skill you just add your wisdom so I, I could see where some of it was coming from but I yeah. found all these there's a lot of terminology I found kind of like oh, mm-hmm. this is more to learn whereas Cthulhu is kind of it's very real yeah sort of um, so at least I can I can role play a, a, an accountant easy you know I just need mm-hmm. to like money and like accountant money at least that's the character I used it was an accountant it was like that so it's dead easy to kind of go okay, it's a very human thing a greedy person yeah whereas doing I can't remember was I a bard no, or I think I might have been a warlock that very very first game bard I was like an elf or something you know so it was all there's not even just in terms of the sheet, it was even just mm-hmm. the whole idea of role-playing this character, which at the time I wasn't comfortable with role-playing anyway, I just mm-hmm. played him like me, um, but I found it kind of like, I don't know how I'm supposed to act with this guy, because then we're getting told that's not how it would work in the law, so it was like, oh, I've done the wrong thing, oh my god. So in terms of being a new player, that was maybe one, I think, it just there was a lot of new terms, and I found that mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. kind of hard, but as an experienced player, I've ever been overloaded not so much the only time I've had it is when I've had like lore dumps inflicted upon us mm-hmm. um, now sometimes lore is important to have and sometimes you need narrative dumps it's some, it's yeah. po- sometimes you just need the expedition uh, but yeah but there's times where I'm given a lot of jargon about religion and the political landscape of some fantasy world and the guy's taking 15 minutes to talk to us about it and I've just went I don't have a clue also, mm-hmm. what helps with that is my guy's thick as men, so it doesn't need to know it. So that's my saving grace, and I can hide behind that lie. But I think you'll find I wasn't not taking notes. I was role-playing. Yes, I am role-playing, and I should get inspiration for that. Um, but yeah, so that's probably the only real thing for me that I could give an example yeah. of. Yeah, uh, again, that's kind of... It's, it's easily done, um, getting a lot of lore thrust on you um, and it's again it's always kind of trying to find that balance of giving information that then makes the players want to explore and want yeah. to find out more about something and just giving them too much to think about that they end up missing a key element so yeah, it's one of these kind of less is more things I think most of the time yeah I mean on that subject of overloading your players I know guys that, like this is one of the campaigns I've been running for well, a year from tomorrow and I think it's to the date as well or something like that and mm-hmm. um, one of the guys or somebody joined us a few months ago but we're trying to finish off this game and I said let's not make the guy a character like we don't want him to go through the whole because I know what it's like you know make a character at level 8 please he'll be like what you know he needs to he needs someone there to help him um, but I just said to him well you can pick one of my guys and I used uh, the dwarf guy the barbarian as a basis for it because I can just 
not tell them mm-hmm. about all the other stuff. I can just tell them to rage and just take half damage and just swing everything and he'll, that's it. doesn't need any more info than that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, he found that quite hard because it wasn't even just the character aspect. I underestimated the whole setting as someone that's never played mm-hmm. before. Who, who was up for it, I'll add. But it was just like, oh my God, wait. So we've got like six different characters here that I need to remember on top of playing it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does happen, but mm-hmm. there's ways that we can kind of try and reduce that for new players. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's that's the thing. There's ways of reducing it, but when you've got a new player there, if you're a new GM or a DM, uh, depending on what game and what system you're playing, the the kind of easiest way to think about it is that they will be as confused or more mm. confused than you. They will be as unsure or more unsure than what you are. Because chances are what's happened, if you are the DM or the GM, then you've had to put in some research to figure out what the rules are in order to build the world, to build the story. So chances are you've, even if you're both equally as new, you've probably got more experience than that player because you've physically put in a bit bit more time than what they have before you start the game. And again, if you're an experienced DM or GM, then try your hardest to remember what it was like the first time that you ever played and then remember that's exactly what they're going through um, and again like we kind of touched earlier on it's really 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 easy as soon as you get a bit of experience and a bit more knowledge that something that is now basic to you that you think that it's basic for everyone mm-hmm. rather than you know when you're totally brand new something that's basic is is a big step for somebody to to learn rather than something that you can you know breeze past without thinking about so th- those are the kind of two things I'd be thinking about as or I would I would say to either a new DM or a more experienced DM yeah it's interesting coming from the the, the new DM because I, I can find well starting with experienced DMs I find sometimes it's just like you're saying stuff's taken for granted mm-hmm. and now some some people are aware of that and what they do instead and I, I know someone that does this all the time whereas they'll divulge everything about the game to you right from start starting point number one and Christ almighty it's hard work you know because it's like you could sit and have someone talk to you for 20 minutes about how the rules work but as a mm-hmm. player even if you're experienced I'm like what? I, it's dead easy for people to fall into that trap but for new new GMs and DMs it, it does make me wonder about how uh, I mean like you said I think going back to what you were saying mm-hmm. everybody's going to be a bit confused but that's okay I mean don't one thing to do is don't stress out over it because the thing is once you do you you might make mistakes and if you make mistakes well I mean because you will make them yeah. even if you're experienced you're going to make them um, the best thing you can do when you've made a mistake and figured it out is just apologise for it or, or just ding it just ding it entirely because if you've got new players and you're changing the rules is mm-hmm. how they might see it you know they'll just play it what and now that insta- instead of shooting like, let's say you shoot someone with a spell and you get told oh you need to add your ability score a modifier to it because it's a levelled spell this is something that happened recently mm-hmm. uh, to, to ourselves um, 
but it's kind of like, well, I don't think it is because it, it, normally it specifies. But yep. if, now we figured that out, you know, just by talking to the guys about it. But if this is a new player, they're going to be like, wait, do, when do I add it and when don't I? And then it just mm-hmm. adds to that complicated nature of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to setting up, you know, a game and, and you've got a new player that's there, then the thing that that's going to be best for them is to try and to reduce as much of the kind of the thinking as possible for them. Yeah. Now that's not. I was saying that you know, don't trust them. Take everything away from them and just bark orders at them from behind the DM screen as to what to do. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're advising you to do. But what what our kind of kind of warning flag at this point is that there's so much for them to try and learn. That the best thing that you can do is take a bit of the pressure off them. And one of the things that I would say is if you've got more experienced players at the table, then try and utilise them. Yeah. So then what it that's means good. is that rather than you as the DM, the person that's organising it, the person that's story, the person that's keeping the rules, rather than you telling them do this, do this, or you know, however it ends up happening, where that person then might think, well, I'm slowing the game down or oh, I'm getting told this because I'm doing something wrong or you know they start potentially reading into that situation the, the wrong way if you've got an experienced player there who can lean over and guide them and keep them right and kind of get them explaining what they want to do to that player so that then when the time comes for them to you know roll in combat or you know explore something and do a skill check they've got that player there to give them a nudge, give them a hint or while there's downtime and the DM is talking to somebody else, that that player at the side can go right okay this is how it works and you know take a couple of minutes out to explain something keeps the story moving, keeps things ticking along and ultimately it's getting that person integrated as quickly as possible so then Again, the DM's talking to somebody else. You've got that experienced player there explaining bits and pieces, answering questions. And then when the DM's interacting with that new player, then the same thing's going to be happening anyway. So you're keeping them involved for as as much as possible as well. Because a new player, the other thing as well, is that when they're sitting there waiting for their turn, again, I think most people will get that, that you need to... You need to have some form of order, otherwise it becomes chaos and a shouting match and nothing <laughs> nothing happens. But when they're new and they're sitting there and somebody's talking and they've got no idea what's happening, then they're probably going to feel a bit isolated at that point. So again, that experienced player being there can, by just, just talking to them and explaining what's going on, going oh, right okay he's asked to, if he can open that door but it's locked so he's trying to put his shoulder through it and open it so what's happening now is he's using a skill check so that's to see whether he can do it and blah 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 whatever you know it keeps it keeps engagement and I think that's probably going to be 
can be crucial for new players as well. I actually like that a lot because I've done that before with some of the guys like tomorrow mm-hmm. this is talking about DM overload tomorrow I'm going to have nine people at this game it's a big finale of this game that I've been doing for like a year and there's normally about six people normally sometimes seven depending mm-hmm. on who can make it but there's now two completely new guys that were invited over you know um, so I've said to them don't worry about main characters you don't need to play basically you can mm-hmm. if you want and I'll give you guys because I'm sitting going Oh my god! I I need I've got so many NPCs right now, you know, and I've got like three of them that I've got stats. So I'm like, I could just give them the stats. But um, if they were playing, actually, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. And I've used it before, and it worked. Where if someone who's maybe a bit more experienced, they don't need to be an expert by any means. But if they know the basics of what's happening, like well, skill checks, mm-hmm. fine. Oh, I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know as a player, and the the GM will tell you the rest. But that, that can kind of help just to help that player learn as they go. Um, one thing that I've also noticed that can help anyone really because or anyone new to any system is just kind of encouraging them just to rely on the DM or GM to basically support them through whatever they're doing. So because the, the GM is a person that's going to be directing the story mm-hmm. and then they'll be the ones asking for checks or they'll say what you're going to do. And then that's when you throw the ball over to the player side. And then if they ask to do stuff, then at that point you ask them for a check. And if they're new, you just explain what that means to them. So there's ways as a GM that you can help help your players a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've found I've never actually done one yet, although I've kind of done it through text. But I find what can help reduce that overload a bit because you, you're going to have it regardless. And that's doing like a proper session zero. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can help people figure out their guys and it's just spend the night going through the whole character creation and just do it slow. Get a few drinks in, get some grub and just have fun and spend the whole night making characters. Yeah, I found that helps people kind of, mm-hmm. when they play it for the first time, they're like, okay, so I know where to look on the sheet for this or my hit points or my ammo, you know, whatever game you're playing. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing like kind of mentioned there as well is that if you are getting people around to do that, then don't don't let them think that there's kind of a lot of game elements that are going to be happening. Because then when they turn up and they sit around and all they've done is write stuff on a bit of paper and nothing's actually happened, then it's you know they can feel a bit deflated at that point. Whereas if you get them around for doing it, you know part social, part preparation and explain it like that but there's a lot of kind of footery wee bits and pieces that we'll need to do so what we'll do is we'll all just catch up, hang out do this, this, this and then we'll get that done as well as again I think that's probably the best way of explaining it to whoever you've got there um, rather than explaining it as being part of the game Um, and even even things as well, like with us, with the podcast, we even done an episode zero. Yeah, that's um, true. We, yeah. we took that same concept just to let people kind of get a bit of insight with us before we started, you know, rambling on in front of a microphone just so that people beforehand could figure out whether that, you know, I suppose whether they trusted us to give advice or not I suppose but um, 
but yeah, but that's probably the way I would think about it and the way I would explain it to somebody. Yeah, I'm thinking for the first game, I'm going to be running a mark board game with a few guys, and it's an easier system to make characters for, but I'm going to do the whole Session Zero thing and just do everything at the same time with folk, make everyone do their hit points first and everyone get their weapons, because then it means by the time you've done that four times and everyone's involved in it, they can have fun making characters with each other. So in some sense... They're all making multiple characters for that one session. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also find one way, and I do this a lot just because of experience, but I guess I've, I've probably picked it up from different players that I've watched, or sorry, different GMs that I've watched and, and been involved with. But if you can make mechanical things of the game baked into narrative, mm-hmm. then people have that connection for it you know so it's almost like anchors for certain actions like mm-hmm. okay if you ask somebody what do you want to do and they say I want to search for that you can say so you're searching through it and blah 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 while you're searching through it you know and then ask for the check so then they go okay so they can start to make the connections um, so even if it's only that they've learned how to do a perception check mm-hmm. then well then at that point they know how to do an ability check or skill check and now they know how to do them all <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. what determines what that ability is is the the GM, basically. But I narrative can really help. I mean, I say that all the time, though. But I think mm-hmm. it's true. Um, if people, if it makes sense to them, like if they can imagine it, which is why I think Cthulhu characters tend to be easier, well, at least in my experience, to get people into. Mm-hmm. While the creation's a bit boring, playing the characters is quite easy for folk. And it's because it, it's dead easy to imagine it, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas it can be a bit different if you're doing it playing a dwarf. A purple yeah. dwarf that's never came out of the underdark in his life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he also loves gold and things, and he's obsessed with stone. I mean, if I was to roleplay that guy for the first time, I'd have no idea what the hell I was supposed to say at any given period. Forgetting the fact I couldn't see, yeah. but I suppose as, a, as somebody that wears glasses, it's probably part. I can relate to it to some degree. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and again, just kind of... This this is something that's pop, popped into my head as well, that for DMs and GMs kind of more in particular here um, your short term memory you can only remember and again this is approximate because everybody's different and some people have got you know better memories than other people but in general across the board your short term memory you can only remember seven things and plus or minus two so if you have you know whatever lower elements you're introducing on top of a player that's trying to remember rules and on top of you know whatever else you can see how quickly that is the short term memory is going to get swamped and if you've got a player that's a bit more experienced than things then okay it's freeing up some space but remember even with an experienced player it's seven things plus or minus two so that could actually be up to five things that that person can remember so if again obviously you don't need to remember that one fact there and again if I've got the numbers right I'm pretty sure I have but the the long and the short from that is that your short term memory is probably a lot smaller than you think it is so bear that in mind, people can only keep a handful of new things in their head at any given time until they've committed it to their long term memory so again, like we were saying earlier on, if in doubt 
less is probably more. Yeah, it's the old Michael Scott kiss method, which is keep it simple, stupid. Uh, you just just make it as easy as possible for people mm-hmm. because now, like you're saying, if you're a very experienced uh, GM, there's the risk where you kind of divulge it. So, some of the stuff I do quite a lot is when I ask people to do stuff or ask for certain roles, I don't mm-hmm. explain why that role has been made up and why they need to do certain things. I, I, I bake that into the narrative so they understand inherently what the why is. So it saves another thing that they need to go, okay, and try and figure mm-hmm. out. Some people like working at mechanics, that's fine. But I find for the most part, people will figure them out fine as long as it's baked into the kind of story elements that they're approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly something with the new players tomorrow that I'll be seeing. Good luck to the poor guys. We're all at level nine. It's going to be wild and they're going to be picking up two completely new characters. But I've said to them it's okay though. You don't mm-hmm. need to worry about it. And if they get stuck, you've got like six other players. Yeah, they can pitch in. Yeah, yeah there's probably five that are really good and there's mm-hmm. another one or two that will be uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> well, it's just it's just in terms of how long they've played, they've played a bit less. Now, yeah. they might be better than the, me. You know, they could be yeah. much better than me, who knows? But I just know that the guys that have been playing originally, it was originally four other, eh, three other people, and that became kind of four. Um, and they've been playing for like a whole year, almost most weeks, averaging mm-hmm. maybe three times a month. So... You know, they're good and they'll be great for the two new guys. There's always going to be someone to support them. Um, and if they get stuck, well, I'll just be nice to them and I'll kill mm-hmm. them later in the game and not not earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, I think one of the things that we should talk about as well is the kind of things that will overload players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the kind of the biggest danger areas is homebrew content. Mm-hmm. If you look at, say, a class, then again, if we pick like the wizard class and we go for the evocation wizard, then you go, right, well, that is something that you can find in the player's handbook. It's also something that you can find on like, D&D Beyond, as an example, as one of the kind of mm-hmm. sort of free classes that are listed there so it's information that is you know it's already out there it's not something that's new to you your your players or your fellow players depending on what side of the fence you are um, and it's not something that is completely unique and because of that even if it's not a class that you've played before and you start playing it chances are you've seen it even if it's just you've skimmed over it or it's subconsciously in the back of your head somewhere then you know it's there's still a chance that you have some familiarity with it and if you don't there's a chance that somebody else at the table has some form of familiarity with it so that if you do find yourself getting bogged down somebody's there to help you out whereas if it's something that's homebrewed then it's only person who's created it and the person who is supposed to be playing it they are the only people that will have seen that and again depending on how your table is there might be other people there that have also looked at it out of interest or you know whatever other situation it is but chances are it's just going to be the player and the GM that have looked at that have seen that and know what's going on which again is 
potentially a kind of danger area for getting bogged down. Yeah, there's kind of homebrew rules that you can make. There's plenty online, but mm-hmm. there's there's the rules themselves tend to not be so bad because it might be like crunchy criticals where you do max damage plus the reroll. Whereas mm-hmm. normally the way criticals I think works, you double the damage die. So well, that's the way that we've done it so basically no when I say double damage oh, die, I mean you literally twice. roll 4 yeah. instead of 2 if it's a 2 2d6 you roll 4d6 but I, the way we do it is yeah. we do we roll just the damage dice it and then with double. the modifiers but it's just the, the result of yeah. the first set of damage dice we double and that's just to give us that better average really um, but the crunchy crit one I actually love it because it makes criticals much more Brutal, although I hate it when the paladin uses it because the guy just won't quit with those divine smites. God damn it. But um, I mean, it's like the power of the sun he just mm-hmm. unleashes on every character he fights. But so we actually do its max damage for the, mm-hmm. the do whatever your attack would be maximum, and then you reroll all the damage dice. So it's even mm-hmm. more dangerous. Um, but we done that because we wanted to have nice, cool home rule, uh, homebrew rule that made mm-hmm. everyone much more lethal, including to them, because combat's taking way too long at level 9 or eight at the time but now nine um, mm-hmm. but so the rules themselves don't tend to be as hard um, it's just worth remembering that if you've got an experienced player when you introduce a home brew mm-hmm. rule like maybe it's crunchy crits you're using or maybe you want like the strongholds and followers set, set of rules for short and long rests I mean yeah. short rest is eight hours long rest is a week I think is that right might be mixed up yeah basically yeah. so rather than a short rest being a break Never. Yeah. during a day and then a long rest being you know sleeping at night it kind of takes those two rest periods and it kind of forwards them on to the sort of the next longest period so in other words your short rest is a day and your long that's rest right. is the week. It's a whole week yeah yeah and that's fine but it's like as somebody that you know if you're experienced you might forget that so it's worth bearing that in mind if you do mm-hmm introduce different homebrew rules just make sure if anyone's familiar with the rules that at least remind them because they might forget you know yeah yeah and again something that I never really thought about until you started saying there is that if you've got a new player who then goes away and does research and then comes back could end up even more confused because they're reading in the official rules that that's not a, what it is. A long yeah. rest is, you know, eight hours sleep, and that you're telling them, no, 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 it's a, or it's, it's a week. four hours for my elf. Who? Yeah. Well, I don't know how that works in strongholds and followers. It doesn't tell us. Oh, I don't know. I've not read the book, but I've I've not read that one either. Um, but. It suggests it's half the time, so what is it, three and a half days or something? But um, that, that's the thing, though. But the rules themselves tend to be a bit easier to manage, at least, especially if you tell people up front. Like, mm-hmm. I introduced to some of the guys, I said, look, I'm going to change how the healing works, mm-hmm. um, the potions, just because some of them are getting mixed up, because it does say it's an action for, for a healing potion. Yeah. I said, we're doing that as a bonus action, that's mm-hmm. for number one. Number two is, as long as you've got the action to do a spell, you can do more than one spell in a turn because there's no sorcerers about and mm-hmm. their whole thing's getting quick and casting so I just thought well if you've got a spell as an action and you've got one that you can use as a bonus action you can use them both screw mm-hmm. it that's totally fine because half the time you end up with these guys that are super drunk that you can't remember so and I'm, I need to mm-hmm. babysit them sometimes so I just or one person in particular but I just uh, and I used to get a lot of a lot of arguing from that particular play and I just mm-hmm. went that's just not how it works, buddy. But I thought, well, I get, I get his point. He wants to be super cool, and it's D and D is but power fantasy. So I just said up front, that's how we're going to do it now, and everyone's on board. But so just be super clear with the rules. I think where homebrew becomes a bit more, 
I don't want to say dangerous because that sounds super dramatic, but it's when you're home brewing custom classes and stuff like that. Because we've had something recently. Now we've not had the issue, mm-hmm. but we know it sounded really cool. So a couple of the guys we play with have mm-hmm. made a custom class for our pal who's playing with us, and the guy who's also our pal that's running it. They, they they made a class, or I think what happened was that, as far as I'm, I'm aware, the yeah. DM made the class, and then the player and that they kind of worked a wee bit on it and done it. But because it was kind of, I think, fairly fast turnaround and things, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of mechanical things they tried to do with it, and it made it super complicated from what I understand, at least hearing from the player. Mm-hmm. It just it was maybe a bit a bit too much. That's not like anyone's fault. It's going to happen sometimes with yeah. homebrew. So yeah, and just teeth and issues and things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's worth just bearing in mind that classes and kind of super mechanically heavy stuff. It's worth just being a bit more careful with. Combat, if I don't, to be honest, that would maybe fall under the rules. Combat can be super overwhelming for new players. Yeah. If you're adding custom homebrew stuff to the combat, be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about the guy with a custom class, um, one of our guys, the guy that was DMing it, sorry, um, he introduced bleeding. And actually, it wasn't a super complicated homebrew rule, mm-hmm. as far as I know, it's homebrew. Um, but I actually think it's cool, and it adds a lot. You just mm-hmm. take extra damage per turn when you're bleeding. That's it. It's a bleed status effect, and everybody's familiar with that. So it's a cool wee homebrew rule. Mm-hmm. Super easy, and appended onto combat. But the class itself was like super overpowered, from what I remember. Um, but it was also like very unclear, I think, how... Like progression and what traits you get, it mm-hmm. seemed pretty hard work. So if you are introducing it, just be careful. I, I wouldn't recommend it to be honest, unless you've got experienced players, because yeah. you've got classes for a reason. Oh, one thing to reduce overload as well. By the way, I might be jumping back a bit. Tell players to not multi class because I've <laughs> made that mistake, and they always complain about why they don't get feats at certain times, and it's because mm-hmm. of multi class. So it's just. I always find it better when people can get several games of not yeah. multi-classing so they feel comfortable before they multi-class. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Multi-classing is fun, but as an experienced player, I've never been interested. I've done it mm-hmm. once, and I, to be honest, I've had as much fun as I've had with standard classes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not standard, but just like one class, like I've stuck to it for my levels. Uh, just that's one thing to do because I know that I had players arguing about stuff with each other. Um, about what stuff they all get mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and because they all multi-class they all had it wrong <laughs> you know just uh, the poor guys but then that was maybe up to me to manage that a bit better when mm-hmm. I know this was completely new players at the time but um, aye anyway so I think that's maybe some of the stuff for me when it comes to homebrew I think just generally other things that can overload your players is things like we've spoke about the law already yeah um, one thing I'm pretty big on this mostly because I think long combat's really boring. Um, but that, that that's my controversial opinion with it. I know you can do things to make it interesting, but there's only so long that you can make combat interesting before people are fatigued with it. Um, so it, for me, like if combat, there's too many things happening in combat, mm-hmm. it can really screw up players and get them confused. You're better yeah. modularizing sections. Mm-hmm. keeping people in their boxes and introducing bad instead of having 50 bad guys have 10 and maybe introduce 5 more later on as the fight goes on Yeah, you know there's ways that you can put it in stages to make it easier for people mm-hmm. but I also find um, Law's a big one which I mentioned already but even roleplay segments can be a bit much you see if you've got new players maybe not even new players like to the game but maybe it's new players to your group 
they might not be that comfortable role playing. So yeah. I don't know. It maybe isn't technically overloading, but when you've got people getting hit with all these different stimulus, if it is a completely new mm-hmm. player, they've got new rules. Then now they're seeing other people do voices. You know, they, mm-hmm. they need to know answers to questions that they've never like. I've personally had people ask me questions. GMs ask me questions about lore based stuff about the environment and the political status of the the continent we're in. I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's like, I should know. I should have though, because I can't remember. Normally what happens though is if that's something that was told seven months ago, I'm not going to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just worth keeping all that in mind that you can get too much of just about everything if you're not careful. Um, Now it's harder to make things too much, like certain things like having too much... um, too much lore's easy to figure out when you've got, got too much. Mm-hmm. That's if people say, what, at the end of what you've just said, or they can't remember a damn thing, or they just look bored. Normally that's a bit much at that point. But there's other things like going back to the homebrew stuff's important just to be careful with and make sure that you need to make sure it's clear before you introduce it in your players, but mm-hmm. make sure you signpost it. I would say it's the main thing with anything homebrew. Just make sure people know that they know it's not a standard rule. That saves the new players getting confused, and it lets the experienced players know that this isn't. This is something a wee bit different for our game. Yeah, yeah, and again, talking about lore, I think that's that's the biggest danger area out of out of everything. Maybe the the actual rules themselves are a kind of a close second, but mm-hmm. I think lore's probably the biggest and the easiest trap to fall into you know overloading players because again if you've got a new player and you're giving them elements of lore they've not quite at that stage figured out you know they've they've not figured out what is context what's explanation and what is important that needs to be remembered and carried on and through if you're a bit more experienced then <clears throat> you've got a better idea of that but the flip side of that is that if somebody has came up with a world and it's complicated and there's a lot of political stuff going on and <clears throat> whatever else is happening in that world because they've came up with it then the danger is that because they know every single micro fragment of that that they give you every single piece of it which then just swamps you with information and you end up confused and not really going anywhere that's probably the thing that I get kind of switched off with quite a lot not quite a lot as if it happens all the time but I think the thing that's probably the most frequent thing to kind of overload me is lore and you get people doing monologues especially like when you've got names with like eight syllables in it and like every NPC's got various titles that they have to say every time they talk I'm just like I'm already like well it's too much for me yep. is that the big ugly guy that doesn't like us that's that's all I need to know you know um, but I think that, that kind of leads into kind of how, how do you kind of reduce that overall and I think yeah. just to kind of summarise it all before we go into the details I think probably introducing stuff as and when it's needed is like my mentality for all of this That that's yeah. it the rules is a good example. You said it's maybe a close second for like with the uh, lore. Mm-hmm. I find actually, I, I agree, but I also find rules are the, one of the easiest things to kind of help people through. Yeah. As long as you're introducing things when they're needed, 
because yeah, it is one of the things that's like lower it's like using sanity in Cthulhu people go oh my god and they try and read it in the handbook and they're like I don't have a bloody clue what that's saying mm-hmm. indefinite insanity temporary insanity underlying insanity permanent insanity it's like what there's all these terms for basically what people would think is the one thing um, so like it's, it's the same with D&D with different things like combat Can you get a bonus action action movement and that's about it but if you've got action surge you get another action but your mm-hmm. attack action gets two attacks in it sometimes when you get to a high enough level mm-hmm. but you can't do two fireballs in that time you know so there's all these things but if you introduce stuff when people need them that keeps it super simple lore's I think the reason lore and kind of information dumps of any type whether it's lore or expedition or anything else they're the hardest ones to maybe get right whereas rules is certainly one that overwhelms people but I find introducing it slowly is fine narratively introducing stuff is fine too lore can be introduced narratively that's how you deliver it but sometimes people need certain key information but how do you give them it without it being a big dump so I find that one the trickiest now I have less of an issue with that in my games mostly because I don't do big dumps like that Mm because I barely have enough time to prep stuff that takes me you know 20 minutes solo monologue you know I don't do it anyway Mm -hmm. Um, and I find half the time time people don't even see it Mm because they're away fighting things and doing doing the wrong quote-unquote thing um, <laughs> that's not in my railroad, which mm-hmm. is another episode that you should listen to. Um, but I just don't worry too much about a lot of the lore stuff because it will come out later. I don't need to give people dumps. You know, They'll find it out as they need it. And if they don't ask questions about things, then they, they wouldn't get it anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, again, I think you're right. And I, again, 100% agree that there is no point talking about something until the player needs it don't get me wrong if you are out of game and you're at a session zero or it's at the end of a game or it's at the start of a game and you know you're getting set up or whatever and if they're asking questions fine okay talk about whatever it is no bother at all because as soon as the game starts you you know you're you're just focused on the game itself and, and working your way through the story so again especially with new players I don't think you gain anything from just giving them a load of stuff that they're going to need in five minutes time because in five minutes time they've already forgotten what it is so until they're familiar with it, until they've learned it, until they've committed it to the long-term memory, then you will need to remind them anyway. So save yourself the time, save yourself the stress, save them the stress and only explain it as and when they need it. So I think you're totally, totally right with that. As a GM, I can't flame and remember what players have done five minutes after the fact. It's usually I'm going, okay, wait, what, what, what made this fight happen again? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. mean it's dead. It's dead easy for people to do. Um, so I think yeah. even talking about just keeping it simple for people, I've mm-hmm. already mentioned that, and we've already spoke about kind of introducing stuff as and when. Like I think I was saying, one of the big offenders is the homebrewing things, and I think really mm-hmm. the easy way around that is we've spoke about signposting it when you're using it. But if you're doing yep. a class, 
You're probably better actually building it with the person that you're trying to make the class for in the first place to make sure it makes sense yeah. as you're building it. Now, I mean, I don't know, maybe the guy that we're using as the example for that, he might have done that. We, we don't know. We just know it was complicated. Um, so it's worth just bear that in mind. Like if I was going to introduce a new spell that had like three different effects, yeah. I would say, ask the player, does this make sense? If I was homebrewing a spell, you know? Yeah, you... I, I, I think for context, I'm not 100% sure. So um, right. I hope I don't get a, an angry comment underneath from like a a mysterious account that appears and is only ever going to make that one comment. But it's me. I, I, th- I think um, I think what happened in that case was the DM had the the, the class getting kind of made in the background and things were getting thought about and added and subtracted. Right, okay. Then the death of the other player happened in the campaign. Which then led that character to kind of get triggered and to get sped uh, up. Okay. And yeah. I think it then got fired in and ready for the game, maybe slightly ahead of its well, natural schedule. Right. But okay, the player, as far as I know, had no input into the class. Mm-hmm. As far as I know. Yeah. It was completely of the DM's creation. The thing is, though, like, we're not saying don't do that you know that's not I mean but mm-hmm. go ahead and do it it's just worth bearing the thing is if you're experienced in a class no matter how confusing it is they'll be able to handle it in the middle of a game yeah. so it's just worth just, just think about especially in your players with things like these new custom classes if you want to make your own homebrew because mm-hmm. it is it's just especially new people it's dead easy, dead easy to throw them off their kind of balance a bit um, and it's not their fault the role playing games there's a lot to them that's why the rule books cost 35 quid minimum half the time Yeah. and you can get hundreds of hours that are just one book you know yeah. it's because there's enough content there for that so just bear that in mind yeah. Thing. yeah and I mean ultimately like talking about that these things that end up being produced as official manuals before that gets published the person writes everything down they come up with you know, the idea, the team of people come up with the idea, then gets submitted to a publisher who then sits and reads through it and then decides what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, sends that manuscript back with, you know, pen mark corrections all over it, and then, you know, that process happens however many times until it's deemed passable and ready for publication. So when you're, you've came up with your own homebrewed class, you need to also remember that, you know, have have you had that same editorial process? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you either need to be tough with yourself and be, you know, be neutral as you're working your way through it and sit and ask yourself, does that make sense? Compared to other classes, does this seem, you know, ridiculously overpowered or whatever is it balanced and you know ask yourself those questions and if you're fortunate enough to have other experienced players or dms around you give it to them let them have a look let them see and then get that feedback from them um and again if you're going to introduce it to your games going back to a point we made earlier on chances are it's less is more it's yeah. easier to add something to it to balance it out than to 
look at a list of 20 things and then go, right, which one of these am I going to remove? Yeah. <laughs> which one? Yeah, I think actually on that note as well, though, I mean, the thing is, like, they're talking about the editorial stuff, and that's fine, but one of these game things that all of these games do, and a lot of them actually have printed in the books, maybe other than D&D, I, I don't know, because they don't print it in there as far as I know, but um, aye, it's playtest stuff. So if you do want to do a wee custom class, that's totally fine. Even if it's new players, it's fine. Just You just need to be wary of them. But if you are going to do a custom class, don't make it something that's just set in stone. Um, make it something that if it is super overpowered or just crap as a class, make it clear to... Like if I was doing a custom class with Jamie right now, in a game we're doing tomorrow night, he's going to be some guy that's going to save the world for whatever reason. Um, you know, I wanted to make a cool new class that kind of took some features of all these different classes, but it was its own thing, whatever we want to call it. The tracker, which is like a ranger, but he's got my... Well, I suppose rangers have all that. But you get, you get my point. Um, the chameleon class. Yeah, I yeah, basically. One from every... Taking one element from every other class. I Like, we could do that and try it, and if it doesn't work, then we can always adjust stuff just tweak it post I mean that's mm-hmm. fine too there's there's nothing wrong with all the homebrew stuff it's just especially with kind of things that get more complicated it's worth just saying we'll try it for a bit um, even with the crunchy crit rule that I've used for my games I said let's see how it goes not because I was worried about me dying it was I was if they're using it I'm using it that's yeah. I, I make sure it's kind of equal that way so I'm like I don't want to one shot these guys mm-hmm. like because it's very easy to kill players as a DM like it's, it's not that hard at all but when you've got crunchy crits on it oh my god like I, I could even with a well balanced game which I think I'm reasonable at doing you know because a lot of the recent fights have been super to the bone mm-hmm. but if I had a crunchy crit I could have been killing players like so there was yeah. one game I critted four times in one fight that could have been easily two, at least two of them dead out of the six, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and once players start to lose their numbers, it's much more likely the rest of them will die. So, yeah. it's just worth, just don't, never hold yourself to a homebrew. Don't feel bad if you want to take it out or tweak it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally okay. And that will maybe, now it might give players a bit of overload, but ultimately they'll figure that out quick enough. Just, just keep it consistent, really, once you stick to it. Or once you decide on it, stick to it until a point where you don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keep that messaging clear to your players I think that's really the main thing yeah, it goes back to communication which we've said a million times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's the thing um, and again with homebrew classes it, again it can even overload an experienced player because it's something that's unique that isn't reference to it other than at your table yeah. you know it's nothing that's subconsciously in the back of their mind it's nothing that they've ever played before like four years ago or you know whatever so they have to know everything about it instantly and Mm -hmm. if you're you know chucking them in at you know fifth level plus then they're going to have a lot of juggling to do and it's you know potentially going to impact in the wider elements of the game such as you know like role playing or mm-hmm. whatever else or even just their enjoyment because they're sitting spending half an hour studying a character sheet um, and supporting material whatever that so happens to be rather than just getting on and playing it straight away and um, again I just would not recommend a homebrew for somebody who's completely new unless it's been tried it's been tested and it's you know, and it's solid. If it's something that's new and homebrewed, I would I would 
keep that in the back burner for some some way down the line. Yeah, I think that's something that I think what's good or it's important to do. I think the easiest way to avoid overloading folk is just being able to read the room. You know, yeah. if I mean, because it'll be clear when people are confused. I mean, there's people I know that still have been playing D and D for like months, and they still don't know what this spell save DC is. Now, the reason for that is because well, it's probably never overtly now they know now, but mm. I mean, well, I suppose it was only up until recently. Um, but they didn't know. They they knew what the number was for a while, and then they didn't play, it and then they forgot where to find it. Mm-hmm. But all they needed to know is it's like eight plus proficiency plus the spell casting modifier. That's like, well, that's a lot. But you know, once they figured that bit out, they're like, okay, so even if I don't know it, it's like they know how to figure it out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's somebody that's been playing for a long time. But you know, it was clear during moments where I'm asking, what's the DC? Ah, freeze. Okay, what, what's happening there? Okay, and then just walk through it with them and they'll eventually get it. But being able to read the room will stop. You're going to. What, what I mean is you're going to overload people at some point and it's going to happen and it's going to continue to happen mm-hmm. but if, as long as you can just read the room a bit as long as not everyone at the table is totally lost you know yeah. then you're probably doing fine it's just maybe one or two things and eventually you'll have very little overloading going on um, yeah yeah and I mean ultimately as well it's a kind of balance between or not a balance between that's not what I mean there is a difference between putting a challenge in front of somebody and overloading them if you've given them different pieces of information and you're then asking them to recall something and they can't do it that you overloaded them but if you want the person to be confused in the situation in order to make their character unsure and so on and so on then yeah okay you could you can give them lots of information to create that kind of smoke screen but if it's something that you want them to recall and you need them to recall then be very careful about how much you're giving them whereas if it's again you're you're trying to create that that trap so to speak then yeah you know fire away yeah i think that kind of leads us kind of right on to for me anyway the last point which is the Overloading your uh, GM or at least communicating that to them as well. Mm-hmm. I think as I, I know we've touched on it recently, but GMs can be overloaded, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's how players end up getting overloaded because it's like, well, we spoke about new GMs at the mm-hmm. start, and how you know it's easy for them to kind of well, let's start with the experienced ones who experienced GMs might basically relay everything like total brain dump everything onto players. I mean, new GMs will do that too, but sometimes it's conflicting rules and stuff. I've seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to happen. But you can actually, as players, you can overload your own GM. It definitely happens. For me, I get it sometimes if people want to make characters, and I'll get literally my phone red hot all day, especially with a group of like nine. I've had a lot of messages about that today. Even for this episode, I've muted everything because I know I've got a bunch of messages waiting there like, what, what character can they play? Can you give them? Mm-hmm. Can you put them at level fifteen to see what it's like? I'm like, just stop, please, just stop. Um, yeah. And what they don't realise is they're already going to meet like seven significant NPCs, mm-hmm. and there's now two new players. You know, so there's going to be a lot going on in that game. 
So just I, I bring that up more because sometimes just think of your GM as well. If you want to do mm-hmm. cool custom stuff, that's cool, and ask them for it. Um, but be there to support them if they want. You know, if they might want you to sit down and do a custom multi-class, yeah. um, sorry, a homebrew um, class. Yeah. Or if your GM says, please, because this is our first game, don't multi-class. Just maybe, you can ask why, that's not a problem. But maybe just heed them for, for that time, because mm-hmm. maybe they're not comfortable with the multi-class, you know. Maybe they've not figured that out yet. Because um, yeah. that was the case for me. I've never multi-classed and I had three players multi-classing, like, immediately. No, sorry, mm-hmm. two of them did. And the third guy didn't. He was the only guy that listened. Um, t- <laughs> turns out he had the strongest character for a long time because the other two were catching up because the yeah, levels yeah. were light or funny. Because yeah, because it becomes a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, yeah, one of the guys was like, "How come I don't get two attacks a turn?" It's like because you're level five and you've multiclassed twice. So yeah, <laughs> so realistically, the highest level that you are is a level three character. Aye, yeah. so it's it's just one of these things. So just it's more just be aware of that. I think more than anything else because it's it does happen and sometimes especially I know people there's a guy I know that he, he takes a month to run any game he wants a mm-hmm. month of prep I don't know what that guy is doing but he's putting himself through a lot of um, just, yeah, a lot of just brain gymnastics to get through even a small session you know mm-hmm. so he tends to he funnily enough weirdly he tends to get very stressed out during games when people things people don't do things that he wants them to do mm-hmm. but it's because he takes all that time precious effort into things that mm-hmm. I, I don't get it so much but anyway just keep that in mind with your GMs I mean most of them will probably be fine and if they didn't want you to do it they'll probably just say no um, and that's fine mm-hmm. but just respect that though um, because they're just trying to run a game for you as well yeah yeah um, and again if you just a kind of point to flag up as well if, if you are a player and you are feeling that the pace is moving at a point that you're yeah it's too fast and that you're struggling to kind of remember things or you know whatever the particular situation is that's making you feel uncomfortable or on the back foot or that you're missing pieces of information just flag that up to your your dm because again nobody wants somebody to be sitting there feeling on the outside or you know whatever the situation is so flag that up to them um and again you, you need to kind of judge each situation for yourself if you feel that you know you're only 10 minutes into the game but you're already feeling that you've totally lost what's happening right stick your hand up like you know ask a question whatever like get it sorted there and then if you're roughly keeping up but the kind of lower elements are confusing you a little bit then wait until after the game wait till out the game and then talk to the dm at that point and go look you know, I'm confused about this element, this element, this element, seek clarification or, you know, ask them that when it's lower elements, if that's what's tripping you up a bit more, just mm-hmm. to kind of take a little bit more time there or, you know, whatever whatever you feel you need in order to get the kind of fullest experience from it. Um, again, don't, don't panic about that. Don't freak out about that yeah. because you know communication like Jordan said earlier on it's it's a big thing that the two of us will, will talk about you know in practically every episode because strangely enough it's really really important and 
99.9% of the issues that will ever come up in D&D and again in the wider world as well is normally through either a lack of communication or poor communication or you know whatever kind of combination of those two things and if things were just clarified and Mm -hmm. talked about properly without anybody panicking about what somebody else thinks or you know whatever else it is most of the situations that occur would never occur yeah it's just it's been that being able to have that conversation is important because one of the, the games I had at the local comic shop um, the guy it was a new kind of DM he's played games before not D&D until he started playing with us but that's only been a few months I think so this was his first set of running games and he'd had this very elaborate scheme and he he to shot himself in the foot by the start of it because it just it, not that there was a big issue with it or anything it's just more like I knew as soon as the guy started talking about what he wanted us to do I went he's going to have a hell of a time trying to organise that because not only does he know that that's not the stuff that we do we kill people and we're good mm-hmm. at it but now he wants to remove our weapons and go to a wedding but mm-hmm. he, he wanted to have this elaborate puzzle thing going on and I actually liked the concept a lot yeah, yeah. you know but the problem was the guy put himself in knots, like trying to figure out how the hell it was going to unfold. And it wasn't going to unfold the way he wanted it because it just wasn't going to. And then in the middle of the game, the guy was cl- had overloaded himself, you know. And yeah. be aware of that. Like, mate, don't overload yourself as a DM. I go into games with like three bullet points. Mm-hmm. Now, I've done a lot and I'm good at improvising things and I've usually got the background enough to tie things in. But this guy had a script almost in front of him, on his not in front of him, on his screen. But you know, and the guy, I mean, not only did he put himself in knots and get super stressed because it's a comic shop, he, he couldn't he quite hear sometimes. He would misinterpret or just forget stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just I said to him. I kind of just said like just during one of the breaks, I just said he screwed up one of my guy's stuff and he wanted to throw him in jail and stuff for things that wouldn't. It didn't make sense because he didn't understand me yeah. properly um, so but I just said don't worry but just leave it that's fine mm. don't bother retconning it I'll just go and do it because I get it you know it's definitely worth just be careful with it. Don't, don't overload yourself as a player or GM as a player yeah. don't go and read 50 different character classes and expect that you need to know that yourself when you're starting a new game just yep. read the class that you need like we said yeah. earlier exactly. as, as a GM tell the players what they need when they need to know it yeah. and as a player research the stuff when you need to look into it if you want to do it for interest that's fine but don't feel obligated to need to know everything when you go in that's mm-hmm. I'd say that's a really big one um, I, and I would just say if just keep that conversation going really like we spoke about if you get stuck you know talk to your DM if you're feeling left be- not left behind but maybe you're falling behind with things or maybe it's moving too fast uh, not the same thing exactly but just an example of communicating like we're doing a hardcore game like eight hours for a short rest uh, a week for a long rest and that's annoying because all my good stuff is a long rest and as a barbarian my bread and butter is rage which is yep. only a long rest and we've literally had nothing but fights for like the last four games yep. it's a yeah, pain yeah. in the ass because that's not what I want to do but that's just the way things have unfolded yep. and I said to the guy hey look now while this isn't overloading although I was aware that I don't want to throw a lot of stuff at the guy so I said to him, look, I would quite like, I've seen this homebrew rule before and I think it'd be cool. 
where if, like I've seen it for spellcasters if you've got no spell slots mm-hmm. you can give yourself exhaustion meaning there's effects to exhaustion I won't go into it now but effectively there's mm-hmm. bad stuff that happens when you get exhausted so if there's I've seen online that if a spellcaster shoots a spell with no they can still basically cast without a spell slot but if they do that they get exhaustion and it compounds mm-hmm. so if you get a level 5 spell and you cast it and you've got no spell slots you'll get 5 exhaustion so you wouldn't do that because that's like going to kill you yeah. Um, so I said I've heard that's cool but I'd like to do something with my rage like mm-hmm. I, there might be barbarian class tree stuff for that I know mm-hmm. you can get on relentless rage or something but um, I said but it would be cool for me to rage like I'm out of rage and now if I rage again I become exhausted I get level 1 exhaustion and if I rage again it's now level 2 and it kind of starts to build yeah, up yeah. he went go ahead I was like cool because otherwise I'd be sitting going I don't want to get in any fights now whereas mm-hmm. now I can I've got a bit risk reward for doing it yeah 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 um, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool but while that's not overloading or to do with overloading or cognitive mm-hmm. overload at all it's an example of talking to somebody and just yeah but also on the, the kind of flip side of that it could potentially be an example mm-hmm. of overloading because if you'd done that in the middle of like you were saying if there was a fight that the DM's managing like again just picking a figure like 20 different Enemy characters, well, yeah, as well as had twenty characters. Yeah, in that as game. well as um, figuring out what you guys are doing as you are playing and going through the turn order and making sure nobody's been missed. And you know, there there might be a lot of things like that going on. And uh-huh. then if you pop up with this question, I in the middle of a turn, let's yeah, say that's not yours. Yeah, I, exactly. Then it's they're having to go from managing that to hitting the pause button to talking to you to then making sure that they understand what you're trying yeah, to explain to them to then yeah. think about it to then give you an answer to then have to then go back into the game and like we said earlier on as well GMs, DMs can be overloaded if you have a thousand questions to ask and again if you're a new player then it's difficult to work out what the important one is out of that bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. But stick to one or two, get the answers, then sit in that for a bit, figure out how that relates and what it means for the game. And then however far down the line, whether it's that same game or whether it's a game at some point in the future, whether it's out of game, ask another couple and then sit on them and just gradually work your way through everything. And again, remember what we said at the start, your short-term memory can only take seven things plus or minus two. So keep it small, think about it, get it in your long-term memory, understand it, know how you're using it, and then move on to the next lot of things and remember that you will gain experience just through playing and that's the best way to gain experience but the reason as well I'm saying about asking like two or three things at any given time yeah there's actually try to physically remember whatever it is you're asking but also if you are part of a large group like Jordan saying that he's going to have you know nine players turning up soon then 
Less if, than 24 hours from now, Jamie, I'll have them all. Actually, they'll clocks. probably all be drunk by this point. Yeah, exactly. Preparation is key. Um, <laughs> so if you've got nine players, as an example, at your table, and they've all then got two or three questions, then that DM has got like 27 things to work their way through and to answer that some might need a lot of thinking, some might not. But, you know, the long and the short is they've got a lot of time taken up just by a small amount of things. So um, so be kind to your DMs because they're the people that decide whether you live or die. um, (laughs) But you guys have learned the hard way. (laughs) Yes, we have. I've been the instrument of death twice now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the main thing. To be honest, a lot of time it's not that bad and... It comes if you've got things that you want to figure out. Like, what's nice about having experienced players is I could have maybe asked. Look, I was asking about the whole using my rage to get exhaustion. That's something the DM needs to clear. But if it was mm-hmm. something about my character, or I spoke to Jamie that night about something about his character to double mm-hmm. check a class feature because I was getting mixed up between sorcerer and wizards, mm-hmm. um, particularly the sorcerer points for anyone that's interested. Because um, I thought it was had something similar, so I just said to the guys, "You just keep going, and Jamie, I'll phone you, and we'll mute ourselves from roll twenty. Yeah, we yeah. got that sorted, and it was fine. And um, when it came time, it was actually before the combat started. I knew going in, I wanted to use my rage, so mm. I just said before combat started, I got that approved because that's before all the chaos starts to yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, and certainly, like if you are a DM and you find yourself frequently overwhelmed with kind of people's suggestions, it is hard, and I still have problems with it, especially when people are drunk. Like where they interrupt all the time, um, I usually just dealt in kind of defer their question until I'm dealing with whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. If it's during combat, for example, if they've got a question, I'm just like, I'll get to you in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll get around to them. I'll say it very nicely, and I'll get around to them and then ask them what was the question again. And if they forgot, that's their fault. It wasn't, it wasn't important enough, and then that's fine. But it, it's worth just keeping that in mind. It, it can be a lot. Like I'm used to running for like six, seven people now, mm-hmm. so. What's two or three more? Oh, I'm probably going to re- regret saying that tomorrow. But, um, <laughs> An increase of 50%. Anything they say, they just go, I just say, yeah, whatever, and just ignore it. <laughs> and just let it happen, and then everyone complains because they've got max damage. But um, yeah, it's just, that's it. Just keep it, just be just be sensible. That's really the whole point. And mm-hmm. if you just communicate and just look after each other, like if you make sure you're just being respectful to the, the GM and not interrupting them every three seconds for questions mm-hmm. and things, you'll be fine. If you've got issues with the game because you're confused, just say that to them at points where maybe yeah. it's pausing or like a good time for all that's if the guy says, what are you going to do? Then you can say, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And then at least they can reiterate. They might not like it, but... Yeah, yeah. And again, up. in that example where Jordan and myself muted and then yeah. quickly phoned each other and then clarified what we had to with each other's character um, even though we are both relatively experienced players we still needed that moment of clarification so rather than completely pausing the game to then talk to the DM for Jordan to then get his stuff ticked off for me to then talk to him to get his stuff ticked off we both knew that we had the information mm-hmm. and that each each other needed. So we went, right, we'll take two seconds to explain what we're doing so that nobody gets confused why, you know, we're both muted but we're both like talking and yeah, nothing's and nothing's, nothing's happening, said. nothing's Aye. coming out. 
So just to remove any confusion and then went on, done that and then came back in. But in the meantime, while we were doing that, the other player that was there was then talking to the mm-hmm. DM yeah. and we're, they were working through what they wanted to do. So by the time that we came back... I think it was the middle of combat. So they actually got a whole... Yeah, they, they got maybe, their turn. They yeah, they, they turn got a proper yeah. full turn. Well, we, I mean, what we had was a small thing, but because we're online, mm. you can't you can't do that on the same call because only one person can speak. So yeah. we managed to figure out a few things with each other's character, and I dumped all this crap on Jamie with my guy, just dumping it in text. Take this, like, huge walls. Like, this is all the cool stuff you can mm-hmm. do. Make sure you use them because it makes them super strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if we ended up and the DM's bad books for that one because I think the point of that was to kind of put us behind the eight ball and introduce a bit of stress for the two of us and we kind of went right we're just going to talk to each other bye <laughs> and no, I, explain that well, my, my do main this do thing, this do this I, I'd, I'd said to them that what my question was and it was I just said to them I was just clarifying what the hell an arcane tradition or whatever it is hmm. Because you get basically wizards get spell slots back and short rests, you know, even though they don't get all of them, which is what you're su- what's supposed to happen. Um, yeah, arcane recovery. Yeah, that's it. And sorcerers get sorcery points where they can convert those into spell slots as a, a bonus action or something. So I thought wizards had something similar they could do. It turns out mm-hmm. they can't. It's just a short rest thing. Um, so and it worked out because we won and nobody died. So hooray Yay. hooray to us and we got a level up because I, I basically mm-hmm. forced the guy I said look I think that deserves a level up and he, I don't know we've never levelled up that quick I haven't ever. I haven't killed one of the other player characters can I not level up because I've shown restraint yeah well here's the thing we've not levelled up that quick ever it's only been like three mm-hmm. games I think since I levelled up yeah and before that it was like four months of games like mm-hmm. not even exaggerating so I'm glad I asked now you guys are level 9 8, eight and I'm level 9 I think yeah Although it should be really benign, but as a, we can bring that up and not overload the guy and bring it up next time. Yeah. But um, okay, I think that's really everything from me then in terms of this subject. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I I don't really think I've got anything else to add. Just if if in doubt, trim it down. I think is the best yeah. way to avoid overload. Um, and again, try your best to remember what it was like is a new player if you're an experienced player and if you're a new player just remember that if, if everybody there is new don't worry everybody's as confused as you yeah. are yeah. and if you're playing with experienced players then don't worry they'll, they'll all understand um, I think other than that not really and again just reiterating that your short term memory is probably a lot smaller than what you think it is so that ties in with keeping everything lean and again just introducing rules as you need them and explaining them as and when they're there and relevant to do so yeah I think with that then really for me Mm -hmm. I would just love to hear what anyone listening or watching has to say about this subject anything that might have if you think something we've said silly or you've had, you've seen what we're talking about in person, mm. or you've got a different opinion on it. Yep. We'd love to just hear it because this is just our take on it, really. From this conversation alone, it's not like we've sat and prepped a script or anything. You know, we're just having this conversation live, really. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think it's maybe worthwhile pointing that out for anybody who's made it this far and <laughs> hasn't spotted this yet. But um, <clears throat> like Jordan's saying, there isn't a script. We don't sit and talk to each other about what we're going to talk about before we actually start talking 
it's literally just a case of like we'll, we'll talk to each other we'll, we'll be talking in general mm-hmm. and a topic will pop up and then it'll just kind of scratch that bit of curiosity that's there and then we'll go right okay well let's stop talking about this just now let's park it and then when we've got time to sit down and record something then we'll we'll work our way through it and again we've got the screens there and you might see us looking down every so often but all that's there is literally just a wee set of bullet points that's just we'll get our own little notes to talk about yeah um yeah, so, well, yeah, so that's the thing. We'd love to kind of have that conversation with yourself and whatever mm-hmm. platform you decide to put that on, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Discord, whatever else we've got. We've got so much now, I can't even remember, but I... <laughs> yeah, Instagram, you know, if you want to be different. Yeah, is there any other social media platforms I'm missing? Uh, Twitter, that, that's a thing that we've got. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord... YouTube comments, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much it. So yeah, so yeah, if you yeah. can hit us on the socials then, or on any of the platforms I've got, but if you also are watching this, or if you're on any of the podcast platforms, give it a wee like or a follow, whatever it is you've got on that mm-hmm. particular platform. For YouTube, hit us with that like, maybe drop a comment with what you've got, yeah. or hit that bell if you want to see what, what stuff are coming out. We'd love you to give us any recommendations for topics, if you want us to cover something in particular. Um, we're totally up for seeing some of that as well so yeah if you've got any ideas let us know and we'd be happy to oblige so I think for me uh, thanks very much for watching yeah thanks for staying on this far if you've managed to and we'll see you next time see ya